1: Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer. This is your Futures Friday episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Glad to have you with us. Joining me today, Joe Delera, NBA
3: expert extraordinaire over the Action Network, who's finally feeling better. Joe, how are you doing? Dude, we're doing good. We feel healthy right now, and uh, let's, let's get wealthy, so we'll nice. do okay. <laughs> Very nice. All right, so on today's show, we're going to talk about the Atlantic Division because I've kind of singled
1: this one out. It's been rattling around my brain as like a... I think this is a a pretty good opportunity for betters to get in on a situation, depending on, you know, what your individual take on certain teams is. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to do one random future. And then uh, that's going to be it for this week. And then next week we'll probably be back with another episode with uh, a guest for next week before Brandon Anderson likely returns the week after as the NFL playoffs wind down. A reminder, everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. You get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on Uh, I am constantly sweating all those green dots. Uh, My track record over this season has been excellent. My track record over the last 30 days has been excellent. I'm on a bit of a hot streak. So if you want to follow me in there, you can at HP Basketball. You can also follow Joe and all of his prop plays. His millions and millions and millions of prop plays in there, as well as all of my just ridiculous parlays that I've been putting in um, (laughs) that we'll be adding to. So we're not going to do a parlay, though, this week. We're going to start with the Atlantic Division, Joe. And the Celtics right now, to win this division, are minus 450 at FanDuel Sportsbook, 81% implied. And on the surface, based off of the narrative, that number makes sense. Boston Celtics, after all, the number one team in the league, have the best record, have the best net rating, have gotten off to a great start. Jason Tatum's MVP candidate, just beat the Bucks on oh. Christmas, did all these great things. This number is patently fucking absurd. Are you kidding me? 81% implied that the Boston Celtics are going to win this division. To run this down, the Celtics are 30-12, and which is an incredible record. The Brooklyn Nets are 27-13, one game behind in the loss column. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon before they meet on Thursday night. Likely the Nets win that game with no Kevin Durant. Even still, they would be two games back. The Milwaukee Bucks are 2 games back but then the Philadelphia 76ers in the same division are just 3 games back of the mm-hmm. Boston Celtics. Um we'll talk about what the implied numbers are for the Nets and Sixers and the opportunities there, but just on the surface we need to kind of establish this first as a as like a prior. Joe, do you agree with me that 81% implied at -450 is an absurd number for the Boston Celtics?
3: Oh, it's absolutely crazy, especially when you really think about the fact that they've at the time of this recording say like they'll play the Nets twice. So maybe they at least have a split in terms of the season series. They've only played the Sixers once. So th- like that's that's a, that's a little bit of a tough spot there. That's three games that the Sixers win all three. You close the gap and take the tiebreaker and you're getting this crazy long number. It's too early. There's too many things that can happen. And Jalen Brown is, it looks like he's going to be, he was out last night against the, against the Brooklyn nets with an adductor issue. Like who knows what that is? If that's a lingering thing, I don't, or maybe it's because of the back to back. Like, I don't know, but that does seem a little bit crazy, especially when you really look and you see that all three of these teams are top six in adjusted net rating. Like I, I don't, and we've only seen Boston's number come down because they started off so impossibly hot. So at a certain point, we're going to look at this Boston team and say like, what is this Boston team? And like, did they peak? And was it in, you know, like, was it in October? Was it in November? And are we getting these other teams where they're going to start really hitting like a groove? And, you know, like the Nets, they got TJ Warren. They have Nick Claxton has been looking incredible um, the Nets look good and the Sixers are obviously getting healthy. So I think this number is absolutely crazy. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Cleveland Glass is expected <laughs> that uh, expectation for
1: them is 58 wins. Um, the others are lower on that list. The question is just whether you believe, like for me, this is a question of do we think Boston is as good as they've been in the first 41 games? And honestly, when we break that down, it's, They were a really good team in the first month of the season. They were the best team in the history of all life on Earth between November and December. And then they came back down to Earth. And they're not as bad as they were in that stretch versus the Warriors, the Clippers, the Magic twice, loss of the Wizards. Like, that was a low point for them, for sure. But it's like, over the course of the next 40 games, are they going to adjust more towards 54, 53, 52 Or are they going to adjust more towards 57, 58, 59? Um, My numbers right now, I have them projected for 56 wins. And it's been tailing downward. So I kind of feel like at the end, I'm still like, I have them under 56 and a half, under 55 and a half, under 54 and a half. I think I'm live for all three. I still feel pretty good that the Boston Celtics are going to hit my under just based off of how unsustainable the offense was for a a duration of time there. So the the question then though, is like, we have to ask, like, it's not just about is Boston going to continue to be as good. Can anybody catch them? Uh, The nets right now at FanDuel are plus 400. That's 20% implied. The Philadelphia 76ers. This is the one that was, I was like, I'm sorry, what? The Sixers are plus 1600 at 5.9% implied. It's insane. Uh, again, ju- just to run down the numbers here, if the if the Celtics, like the Nuggets in their division, right? The Nuggets have 13 losses. The next team closest to them, the Utah Jazz, have 10 fewer or 10 more losses. Like yeah. the Nuggets are 10 up in the division. Okay, sure. The, ne- the Nuggets are probably you know, going to win. <laughs> the northwest in the West, Just they're, the West.
3: They're, yeah, yeah.
1: they're pretty good but in the atlantic we're talking about 12 losses 13 losses 15 losses if you're listening to this and you're like matt the celtics are at 0. 0.71 71 uh, percent win rate the nets are at 68 the sixers are at 63 why are you not talking about win percentage here's why um whenever i do playoff tracking the key number is the number of losses that you have you can make up wins you can't make up losses once you get behind like you can't unlose a game that number yeah. doesn't go good never ever goes down right now you could say like wins don't go down either but the the issue here is that you have to be able to catch up the bigger key to me is that it, since boston has played fewer games at 30 and 12 um i'm sorry more games at 30 and 12 The Philadelphia 76ers are behind. They still have to, like, they are behind for a reason. They should be a plus number. I'm not saying these teams are even. It's the disparity between those two. Um, I will tell you right now that if you bet bet both of those numbers at FanDuel, Sixers or Nets, that's an implied 26%. That comes out to plus 284. Your return rates on these are plus 400 or plus 1,600. The question is just basically, do you think that there is a better – then 74% chance that the Boston Celtics do not win this division.
3: What yeah. Do you think? I, I think it's I think I think that's absolutely like a bet. Um, I think that when you look at this too, like I don't, I don't know, like when I look at the Celtics, like Tatum is great. When I look at that team, like I don't think of them in the same way in terms of like elite shot makers. And like think as good as Tatum is. And like when I'm looking at this too, like when you look at their expected and like expected effective field goal percentage versus their actual, there's a pretty significant difference. It's 2% difference, but that difference is they're shooting 2% better than expected. And it takes them from 16th in terms of expected location to fourth. They don't seem to me like a team like Brooklyn, where we know that you have guys like KD and Kyrie that just shoot the lights out from everywhere on the floor. And you see that type of differential and it's like, okay, I can, I can understand it. Um, like, got, like Tatum as good as he is, like he shouldn't on his own be increasing that number as much as it does. Because I don't think of Jalen Brown as like an elite shot maker, shot getter. He can get his own bucket, but that's not the way that I view him per se. So I, I think this number is crazy. And if, even if the even if this number goes down, if the Nets happen to beat the Celtics on Thursday night then I think you're in even a better position and the number is just even better because you're you're split the season series without Kevin Durant in one of the games. So now you're in a position where you could even win that, get that tiebreaker uh, and go up three to one on the series as opposed to maybe maxing out at two two.
1: What I think is what's fascinating about this is um, yeah, I want to be careful here because when you're trying to make a case for a bet, and I noticed that a lot with content and even, even stuff that we do here, you will go too far in finding all of the reasons that support your argument and support the bet versus like really it should just be no, I think 74% is high. Like I think that I yeah. I think the, the Celtics should be at like 60%, which is still heavily favored between all of the teams. Like they'll have yeah. the majority of the share of, of probability to win this division, but it shouldn't be 74%. Like that 15% differential across all the bets that we make is important here. Um, what's interesting though, I think is I, I actually like I've been thinking about this a lot. So their number to win the Eastern Conference right now, they're plus 180, which is only 35% implied. I feel like that's a slight a touch low. Um, we've seen the Milwaukee Bucks continue to struggle. They got this win versus the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday night. They hit nine yeah. three pointers in the first quarter and still had to come back in that game to steal a win versus the Hawks. Like the Hawks caught them and then they had to the trade in fight. Like and Trey didn't play, right? So, like, all of the numbers suggest that Milwaukee is not nearly as good as what their <laughs> number, plus 280, in the market suggests. Um, now, all these other numbers, I think, are 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 pretty solid too. Like, the Nets, I think, are probably a little yeah. underrated at 440, the Sixers at plus 750, the Cavs in particular at plus 900. And then the rest of the conference is garbage. Sorry, Miami Heat. But, <laughs> like, this is my point here is that I'm not trying to make like the bet here on the division is not to me it's not about how good the Boston Celtics are. I think the Boston Celtics should be even cl- like shorter favorites to win the East based off of how Milwaukee's playing. Yeah. It's that the regular season performance is a lot more about who do you beat, how consistently what are your numbers. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you like the best value on the board right now for me is the Philadelphia 76ers. I mentioned I have the the Celtics right now projected for 56 wins. I have the Sixers projected for 55. At 54 yeah. and a half roundup, it's like a, a, a game and a half differential. So it's 16 to one, like I love the, the the Sixers here at 16 to one. I, I will say that I'm not going to bet the Nets right now because I already bet them weeks ago when they started to turn the corner at 1800. And I hate to do that to the audience to be like, hey, here's a great number I got that you can't get anymore. <laughs> I do think that if you're going to bet it, like you should bet both ways. If you think if you agree with us, the Boston Celtics aren't just going to run away with this. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. It's entirely possible that Boston runs away. But if we look at the percentage chances that this occurred, combined with what I agree with you on, this team has shot insanely well. And we've started to see that wobble a little bit. And to me, like that's going to lead into more of where the regression comes from. The idea yeah. has been that like their defense will continue to regress with Robert Williams back, but A, he's not starting. They're up to eighth in defense, which – like, they should be eighth in defense. They're good. Yeah, yeah. They're not the number one defense in the league by far like they were last year. And they have the easiest defensive strength of schedule. The Sixers have the easiest strength of schedule overall. Like, the Sixers are just beat up on bad teams. But if you listen to this yeah, pod but, forever, you know, like, that's what I love. Like, I can count do on that. the Sixers. The Sixers aren't yeah. losing random-ass games all
3: that often in a league where everyone seems
1: to do that night to night.
3: Yeah, the Sixers floor always seems to be very high because you have guys like Hard. If you have somebody that's going to cook on any given night, whether it's Harden, Maxi, or Embiid. So I think that there's like a pretty reliable floor with them. So I do like this. And like we haven't really seen Boston like struggle with a big like adversity yet this season, which I feel like is always common in a lot of teams that you have to deal with something or a guy being out like, two gotcha. weeks or so, maybe two and a half. And we haven't seen that. And, you know, part of that's because a lot of the team is young, but you know, who knows like if Robert Williams go like has another issue, if something flares up, if, if this injury with Jalen Brown is more significant, then what does that do to the team? How does that tax them? Maybe they drop a game or two, because that's really what we're talking about. The margins here are so thin on this division. You could argue that the three best teams in the East are all in the Atlantic division and the margins are thin so if you have a guy miss like a couple of weeks, you you can be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the
1: that there is a bet to be made here. If you haven't entered the market yet, if you have, especially look if you if you got Boston in a plus number, this is a great opportunity right now to oh, those yeah. other teams and lock in a profit. Um, yeah. If you haven't entered the market and you're looking to and you agree with this analysis, I think Sixers and Nets combined is good bets on both. And then if I have to make one. I bet on, on Sixers. If you had to bet between the two, Sixers plus 1,600 or then Nets at plus 400, which one do you like better?
3: I'm probably taking the Sixers and specifically because if the Nets struggle for the next like couple weeks without Durant, but if they're still within striking distance, I think there might be a buy opportunity on the Nets in like a week or two, um, as opposed to the Sixers. If the Nets struggle, then that means that the Sixers are probably going to move up in that the, in the standing bracket, maybe a little bit in the Atlantic. So I want that 1300 now. And maybe like, I, I definitely, if I, if I'm not in it at all, definitely I like the combo way to do it, but I also think that you're going to get a good number on the nets, maybe in like a week or two when these people see them maybe struggling with Kyrie, just trying to, you know, hold the team up.
1: We're going to move on and do one random future. This is just a random like futures Friday bet that we want to talk about. And for me this week, it's going to be six man of the year, uh, which continues to be the most perplexing award I've given out. I think 18 bets on this award show. Like it's, it is scattershot. (laughs) I will say that like, I don't think that if you're looking to bet this, you should be putting in heavy units on anybody. I think that this award is still very much up in the air. I want to mention Malcolm Brogdon. um, And I want to talk about it. I'm still kind of deciding whether or not this is worth a bet right now. The reason I mention him is the NBA media, NBA.com released a media vote halfway Mark poll? Mark Medina did it, a long time beat writer. Mark's great. Talk to beat writers. That was what the, the voting poll was. And beat writers do make up a significant chunk, the majority of the voting block for these awards. Not the entirety, but the significant chunk. And what I thought was interesting was Jordan Poole was the significant favorite there, even though he's played more, he started more games than he's come off the bench. The other thing with Jordan Poole is that, by the end of the season, someone like when we do the, when the online conversations develop about these guys, there will be like a a very strong narrative of here's Jordan pool stats. When Steph Curry did not play, here's Jordan pool stats. When Steph did play and you'll go like, Oh, so like when, when he was actually a sixth man, he wasn't as good as when he got to be a starter and play with Draymond and those guys all the time. Right. So that impacts things. But the second name on that list Malcolm Brogdon, who's currently plus five fifty at Fanduel, I have like Jokic is kind of this like if everybody else just can't get there, if the if Luca and the Mavericks can't win enough games, and Tatum doesn't have the stats, and Embiid ha- doesn't play enough games, and KD doesn't play enough games, and the Bucks aren't good enough, is Yon, is like Jokic just could be the last man standing again. I kind of wonder if we're looking at. at I want to at least propose the idea that Malcolm Brogdon might be the last man standing, like really great player comes off the bench the stats aren't amazing they don't fit the profile of this which is just like guys that score but we also don't have a runaway 20 points a night bench guy right now we just don't have it i have bets on norman powell i feel good about those but i kind of wonder if malcolm brogdon is going to wind up taking this award in a very weird year for sixth man of the year
3: yeah i i think that that's definitely a good angle especially when you look at boston as the team that's at the top of the division, top of the conference. So if they continue on this trajectory, a lot of it probably deals with his health, which has been relatively good this season. So if he's able to kind of keep that going, you might be looking at like a default type of answer there and just saying like, all right, this is the guy. And there's really, there's just no risk that he's going to enter the starting lineup, which is something that I think is a concern with a lot of these other guys that are in the sixth man of the year uh, voting pool, essentially. Um, you you have to worry like like Christian Wood he's now a starter so there's a lot of guys that you can run into that too but Malcolm Brogdon's not really one of them.
1: What's your uh, best bet right now for an NBA feature you want to throw out there?
3: So it really just pains me immensely that Tyrese Halliburton got hurt. I know. But uh, I know. I know. Uh, so but I do think honestly like if he's only going to miss two weeks I think that you could play him at thirteen to one. um, Cause that's what they're saying. They're, he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks and their stretch of games actually is like, but the problem is stretch of games that they have is like really brutal over the next like two weeks. Like they play like all top tier playoff teams over the next two weeks. So if that's going to be a point where maybe they, the team says like, you know what we're packing it in, we're done. Like we got to like, we have, and we have to pick somebody new. I still, and we've talked about this now we're seeing all plus money on this award for the first time in a long time. Shea is now even money. So I'm looking one more spot down on a team that likely makes the playoffs now. Jalen Brunson's 30 to one, doing most improved player of the year. And when you look at this, it's you're getting that New York bump. You're going to get the New York bump in the... In the voting, and there, he's gonna, always going to have national, nationally televised games. You're going to see a lot more games from him. He's taken his scoring up from 16.3 to 21.9, and he's averaging 6.4 assists compared to 4.8 last year. So he's he's putting up the numbers. He's putting up. Put, he's having some big performances uh, in terms of his scoring output, and the team is starting to kind of gel a little bit more the concern is really just like when you actually look at him, like in terms of EPM or anything like that, he like, he does not compare to a Shea or a Halliburton or even like a Laurie Markkinen, but just the fact that the team is going to be in the playoffs, he he may or may not make the all-star team in the East. Uh, and, you know, you're getting that New York bump, especially in the voting, like eyes are going to be on him. It's easy to get that narrative out there. And it's, I think it's a lot easier for somebody to say, like, well, look at what Jalen Brunson is doing in New York. He's the finally the point guard they've had compared to like Laurie Markkinen, who's doing it in Utah on a team that like I think is probably going to want to missing the playoffs at the end of the day. So I like him. At, I think 30 to one's long. I have some positions from preseason uh, at like 15 to one, 16 to one. I thought he was somebody that was going to really step into this. And I think now you're getting an opportunity to buy it like a little bit longer of a number, uh, in like a relatively small field, honestly. 22 and six <laughs> on 47, 39, 85 splits. Pretty good.
0: Um, yeah.
1: the other thing is like, look, I, I can this has been something I've been kind of noticing is the Knicks are top 10 in both adjusted offense and adjusted defense. Like this team projects as being pretty good. Yeah. No one can really believe it. No, everyone's like, I can't, really? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean look, if if the Knicks make the play, I mean we said this before, right? It's the combination that we talked about in preseason is um young player but not second year. Check yep. that mark. Uh makes a jump from low teens to mid 20s. Check. Uh, in scoring, all-star, usually first time all-star. Yeah. If the Knicks are in the play, like entirely possible that if there's injuries, Jalen Brunson sneaks out one of the reserve spots. Yeah. Right? So he he does check all the categories. As much as we've been focused on Hallie, Lori, and Shay, if like Shay could get shut down at any point, the jazz continue to like they're not the jazz aren't like spiraling. It's just like a slow glide. It's like a leaf. Yeah. Like the Super Mario Bros. Just going three, down. Yeah. <laughs> drifting down. <laughs> Burton, I still like the position on him um, based off of the pacers. I think are pretty good. But you you mentioned like two weeks. That's it. The the report from Woj was like, gotta see about more imaging. So like, as we record this, you know, Brunson could shoot way up if, if something, if God forbid the news is bad on Hallie. So yeah, yeah, I I like it 30 to one. I'm probably going to put this in just as a hedge position on the rest of the random ass things that I bet with
3: Shea um,
1: to a certain degree.
3: And I always think too, like it's a little weird when the market goes the opposite way on a guy like Shea. So Shea, was like an overwhelming favorite on this award, like, three weeks ago, you know, and then you're looking, I'm looking at, it. I'm like what his performance hasn't really changed like all that much. I think his scoring has gone down maybe like a touch Uh, and he's definitely missing his prop overs now, like the market's adjusted there, but the fact that he's now plus money or even money, I think it's concerning in terms of like, what's being like, maybe what the narrative is or maybe what OKC is doing. And like you said, he's always a candidate to get shut down. So 30 to one for a New York guy. That's, you know, I, I think I love that spot.
1: Yeah, so I'm just been looking over like the random ass uh, most improved players that I I put on this list, and yes. like I have I have bets at like thirty six to one on Shea, 2,400 on Lori. I have a Kelvin Johnson ticket. That's probably not oh, catch. That's a classic. <laughs> I have a Tyrese Matt. I have a, I have so much Tyrese Matt. Like, I honestly yeah. need to just bet Jalen Brunson to hedge out of my Tyrese Maxi position, given <laughs> that the injury pretty much ended his candidacy before it got started. I have Sadiq Bay. I have Colin Sexton here from preseason on small unit bets. Um. So, yeah, I think I'm going to put in him. I'm going to go ahead and put a bet on Jalen Brunson. This is a good call. But hopefully for you, uh, Tyrese Halliburton will be okay because I know that that will be your your eternal victory lap if Tyrese I know I, I'm if- like I'm going to add to this
3: at 13 to 1 probably like a little bit just a little bit <laughs> all right it's going to wrap it up for buckets you can follow Joe on
1: Twitter at Joe Dolera two L's and you can follow me on Twitter at HB basketball you can check both of us out in the Action Network app hope you have yourselves a great betting weekend we'll be back on Monday with the weekend recap episode with Albert Wynn until then let's get buckets